about Phoenix Rising Football Club. My name is Kellen Olson, your host, joined as always by my co-host Jake Anderson. Jake, we're coming off a win. Yes, feels good. 4-1 result for Phoenix Rising at home against Las Vegas Lights. And it was it was interesting to watch live, for sure, because in the moment you're watching these, I've watched a couple on, on tape delay before, kind of knowing the result. But watching watching this game live, to me, seeing the first couple of chances that they had, I believe Junior Flemings had a takeaway in their own third, and then kind of a mini breakaway of sorts got saved. Adam John had a really good cl- chance right on the penalty spot hit it right at the keeper and then after those two you're kind of wondering oh man was was that their chance because that's sometimes how yeah. this game goes turns out oh no there were plenty more chances coming yeah it like you said it was kind of the oh no here we go again just battering ram and can't quite break through um the biggest difference in this game was just how far Bacaro dropped and that wasn't really something that was expected um, Shantz even said after the game he wasn't expecting it, um, but obviously it worked. The, the connection between the midfield to the wings was better than I've seen the all season. And then obviously on the goal you had Bacaro, and the leave by John was beautiful. Um, Lambert said after the game he didn't tell him to; he just did it on his own, mm. and he was obviously thankful for that and put it in and. Made it 1-0, I think kind of calmed the nerves, especially because it was right before halftime. And going into halftime with a lead is obviously a lot different than being tied when you're the one that's been controlling the game. And from a defensive standpoint, for the team that was leading the league in shots, they had none on target. You can't you can't get any better than that. And I think their their best chance was probably when Lubin had a bad touch. And oh, yeah. Gave away a a good chance, but um, a couple posts there to save the day and four nil rising win. Second goal was huge for obviously a variety of reasons. The two nil lead, but also just five minutes out of halftime and just keeping their foot on the pedal like it was for most of the first half, and just a, a complete goal for the front three. Obviously, because Flemings runs it up. There's Adam John again for the second time being involved in the goal with a nice little touch through to Flemings. Asante beats his man on the other side. Perfect pass by Flemings, and that's just the type of I think quality that I've come to expect from those three in particular, and just seeing it come to fruition like that, and just a really clean goal and and those are the types of goals I keep expecting to see more of when they're just better because let's be honest those three guys are just better than mostly any other team that they're going to be going against any other defensive front that they're going and I think John is continuing to impress me more and more each week and just seems like it was he was a huge addition uh, for the team especially with the departures that they had at that position in the offseason oh absolutely I think Adam John has been along with AJ Cochran probably what am I talking about? Junior Flemings as well. Bacaro, I could get going on and on. But in terms of replacing Chris Cortez and Didier Drugba, I think Adam John has filled in beautifully. He has, I believe, he scored in the last four matches, if you include the U.S. Uh, Open Cup match. 
and I believe I'd have to double check, but he has uh, five goals in those four games, and he has like three in the last, something like that, something ridiculous, basically. He keeps scoring, which is his job, obviously, but he brings that big body. He's dangerous in the air. Like we've talked about, he can play the ball with his feet, and he's good with the ball. He gets in the right positions. He works his butt off. And that's something that Chance has talked about, even on his defensive work. And for a forward, you know, they don't play that much defense. But maybe that's why he leads the team in yellow cards. And something I brought up last episode with him is just seeing him be involved so much. And with your striker, typically, I think if they're involved in the play enough and just those two first two goals being a prime example of him being directly involved in them. If you're involved in the play enough and you're putting enough shots on target, you are going to not only get goals, but get assists, obviously, as well. And that's really, to me, what an informed striker is. And he certainly is at the moment. You watch a third goal, and of course, it's a huge mistake by the keeper. But again, if your striker just keeps being involved and he keeps getting chances to score, yes, he's going to hit it right at the keeper a couple of times. Maybe it'll go in once. That's I'm not really saying you can rely on that luck necessarily, but a striker with his activity level is going to get goals like that because they're just in there over and over again with their activity level, like you said. And, and I think that he's just been a real bright spot for me in the past couple of games and what has been an important past couple of weeks because the theme of the podcast was just inconsistency and now they're starting to build a little bit of it uh, going forward. But Caro sat back in, in that midfield three. I, I talked about how much I liked Musa in there and, and they went with uh, Bacaro more in that role instead. And uh, you were there hearing shots. I read the quotes, but sounded like he was more looking at it like these three guys just need to work together and whatever comes of it comes of it and Bacaro was the one to kind of drop back which is kind of surprising given what his role has been for most of the year yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see going forward because with Aguinaga he was playing a little bit farther ahead but if you were to put Musa back in there it's kind of like who are you taking out and in terms of overall top quality you would assume Aguinaga would come out but then the question is Bakara and Musa are kind of going to be in the same spot or do you want Musa to be where Aguinaga was but even though we heard right from Musa that he prefers to be that lone guy right in front of the off or excuse me right in front of the defense but right uh, excuse me Chance is changing up the lineup every week you know, he's even been changing up the formation. A couple of weeks ago, we had Bacaro as a false nine, and then he dropped all the way back into a six. So we really don't know what to expect. It kind of keeps the opposition on their toes, keeps us on our toes, definitely. Um, but if they can get results like that, then it's not broke. Don't fix it. I wanted to see my man, Captain Solo, produce a result in this one and produce a result for himself more so and just get back to that form. And I mentioned it back when we were talking the Mighty Ajax and just how much I loved Hakeem Ziyech in their formation and how he just kind of wandered all over. And Asante kind of stays a little bit more to his role, but at the same time, he will come in the middle when they need it. And I think that's so important for this team specifically because of some of the midfield struggles that they've had in this game. And you watch the fourth goal, and that's one where he is wide, but he just drifts to the middle with the ball, and that opens up the passing lane for Flemings. It's an easy pass for someone of Asante's quality and it's an easy finish for someone of Fleming's quality and to go back to the to the earlier goal that I was mentioning again the second one it's the same thing where it's just you expect that out of those guys and and you have a couple of those plays in the game now you're just winning 4-1 3-1 and that's why our expectations have been pretty high for this club uh, all season yeah going back to what you said about Adam John too the back to goal again that's something like I think is very important oh yeah 
and the fact that he basically just took it he didn't really have much to work with took it turned had to go and obviously the mistake went in but like you said if those shots are to the little to the left little to the right you have a quick rebound because you have past guys in Flemings and Asante to your left and right and you can get a, an easy rebound um I joked about it during the game that Flemings and Asante are competing with each other for the assist lead. They're currently both tied at five after they both gave each other an assist on their goals. And uh, Solos goal is actually up for uh, goal of the week just because of the beautiful play and the pass. And and uh, like you said, it's just kind of coming together. Um, we need to see consistent results um, in the USL Championship play right now, they have back-to-back wins. Um, if they can continue that, continue getting those results, especially because they have a bye week after this, I think that would be monumental. Nine points out of nine in the last three going into a bye week. Um, and then the game back is dollar beer night. So I think that would have to be the the perfect ending of the of this part of the season. And I think they've got the right opportunity if we're looking at Real Mon- Monarchs SLC, looking at them as the opponent and the chance for you to get into form before that bye week and truly 9-9, nine and nine, like you said, or uh, 9 points out of a possible 9. Uh, Monarchs on the season, 3-4-3. Three, and three, They have 12 points. They're 15th in the West. Of course, they're still only 5 points off rising in 3rd uh, with 17 points. They're still that parity, but it's starting to separate a little bit. And this is again, a moment in the season where rising kind of put their foot on the gas. And, and the thing that you said uh, coming into this episode that you've really noticed from Monarchs is they, they're a team that just hasn't been able to find their groove really all season and not in a way for rising where rising have had their results and things, but Monarchs just can't seem to put together a stretch of, of play that has been consistent. But the one thing that I noticed three, one and one at home, this game is, uh, away for rising and I think that's something that matters but at the same time I think it matters more that in their last five they're one three and one and they just haven't been able to string together results and that's you're looking at rising trying to do that right now yeah real monarchs has been all over the place this year they like you said are not in good form at all in their last five now only two of those have been at home so in terms of that they've been doing all season that doesn't come as a surprise but their last home game actually was to Fresno and they lost 4-2 they're coming off a 1-1 draw to OKC on the road but they're a team that has beaten Reno 3-1 and they've beaten LA Galaxy 5-0 at home tied El Paso Locomotive at home but those were in the first five matches of the season so like Helen was saying very inconsistent. They're a team that allows a ton of shots, and for Rising, that's something that they're obviously known for. So you would assume that Rising would be on the front foot, but again, something about Real Monarchs at home, able to play a little better than they are on the road. Um, it's kind of the opposite of what we just had, where Las Vegas was terrible on the road coming in. So it's going to be another game. I kind of expected to be like the Sacramento game almost not I wouldn't say it's going to be like OC because OC you knew there were going to be goals but SAC is just known to be nil-nil and you could potentially see that with Monarchs Rising is a game in hand against uh, New Mexico United in the standings uh, this will be their 12th and uh, 
United are four points ahead, so there'll be only one point off the top if they get a win here. The one thing stylistically that you were highlighting when we talked about it before the microphones turned on, Real Monarchs, they give up a lot of shots. Give up a ton of shots. Rising take a ton of shots. So this just adding up to one of those games where Rising put like 15 or 20 on net and are are able to because of the way Monarchs play defensively or really don't play defensively, I should say, I guess. Yeah, Rising actually officially have the most in USL. They overtook Las Vegas. They now are in the lead by one. And the keeper for Real Monarchs is probably going to be the biggest defender for them rising (laughs) that's not a good sign well rising know all too well that keepers have been a pain to say the least um his name's david ochoa he's played for uh, under 20s for the u.s under 17s as well um he did not play in their last match um i'm not sure if he's going to be in their next match or not i'm not sure if he's with the team the u.s team or not um but two noticeable excuse me notable players on the offensive end, for Real Monarchs are definitely going to be Michael. I don't want to botch his name. M A I K E L Chang, and then uh, Jack Blake. Um, these guys are pretty much leading goal scorers for their team. And Jack Blake actually uh, was in Nottingham Forest uh, Youth Academy, being that he was from there. Um, so obviously, very talented player. Um, their midfielders are pretty much um, their bread and butter, and then they. Do have a uh, a pretty good assist man in Douglas Martinez. Um, he's coming off a really good game, actually. Um, so obviously, every team has a couple of players that you got to look out for. But overall, I would say that this is going to be a game that Shantz should definitely ex- not expect, but would expect his club to win. I expect them to win. Looking at it statistically, the the biggest thing that stood out to me comparing the two teams, looking at it from a preview standpoint. 22 goals for Rising this season. They have 17 assists on those 22 goals. Monarchs have 18 goals, and they only have 8 assists. So if you're looking at the rate at which they move the ball and produce goals that way, that's not how Real Monarchs have done it this season. They also only have 2 clean sheets this season, while Rising have 5. It's just Rising are a much, much better team in just about every way, and I'm expecting a result here uh, for sure. What's your prediction? Let's do this. For the first time in podcast... And this is because I feel confident. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm creating this game because I feel confident in my prediction. I'm going to say it is going to be 3-0 rising. 3-0. 3-0. On the road. I'm Ooh. confident. 3-0. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, because they've only been able to get one result, uh, get one win on the road. And yeah, I should and it, I should know better from the way that they have played so far, 12-13. That's why I'm hesitant on giving them the mm-hmm. win. I don't really see them allowing a goal. Um, I'll go. I'll go one nil. All right. Easy I, feel, enough. I feel like it'll be another battering ram game. Yeah. I feel like they'll just sit back. Um, but with the height rising, have definitely Kevin Lambert getting up there. They'll. I think they'll puck one in. We'll be back next week to discuss how right I was and how wrong Jake oh. was in the predictions. Well, we both just we both predicted a win. <laughs> I predicted a bashing. That, okay. that is what I'm expecting. Also, Champions League final a week from Saturday. So we'll we'll hit on that too uh, next week. And we've been dipping into that. Seems like people have enjoyed us doing that. So we're going to do so. But then Rising is off. So uh, we'll have a guest on here in a week or two as well. Get back to that a little bit and uh, talking to people from the club. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next time to talk more Phoenix Rising Football Club. Talk to you then. Peace.